You are now listening to The Unit Report. Listen as we take a deep dive into the world of sports centered around Pittsburgh. Now, your hosts, Lucas and Troy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of The Unit Report. Um, I'm here with my sidekick slash co-host slash um, secretary, uh, Lucas Wester. Um, if you you could say hi, I give you permission to speak. Go ahead. Hi, Master Troy Kopech. Okay, that's it. All right, that's enough. Uh, moving on. Uh, so we have pretty pretty good amount of NHL news. Um, the NFL, we're, we're kind of reaching the, um, uh, what do you call it? Off-season? Off-season, that's it, where everyone's starting to get shuffled around and more of the rumors and whatnot are starting to pop up. And then we have some golf news, which I know we don't report on that, but we have some, uh, you know, big news. Well, not big news, but, uh, you know, big, big accomplishments. Um yeah, so Lucas, uh, if you'd like to have the honors, I guess. Yeah, go ahead. We'll start off from the top. Or do we want to get the uh, sad news out of the way and finish on a positive note? What's the sad news? Uh, with Wayne Gretzky. Oh, sure. We'll, we'll start on the lowest note possible. Uh, everyone's favorite hockey dad, uh, Walter Gretzky, passed away this past week. Uh, obviously very sad news for the hockey community. He was globally and universally enjoyed. Everyone had, everyone has positive stories about him. Uh, a lot of people were saying positive stories about him, like just inviting them inside their house. Uh, he'd g- give out and show a bunch of Wayne memorabilia. And he helped raise the greatest player in the sport. And so obviously he did something right. Uh, with with Wayne to get him to be the goat of hockey and obviously uh, you know it's terrible news but he was an old guy he lived a great life and rest in peace to Walter Gretzky yep hate to say it and in uh, I guess not more positive news I mean not I mean not more positive. No, no, it is. It is more. It is more positive than this. That's what I was trying to say. Okay, I was like, "Dang, all right, uh, someone's a little salty." <laughs> I'm salty. Uh, oh, geez, that's terrible. That's not going to make for a good soundbite. Um, Calgary Flames. Uh, they've been a back and forth team all season. They have fired their head coach, Jeff Ward. He, uh, the, as they stand now, the Calgary Flames are second to last in the North Division, just ahead of uh, Ottawa. And they should be a playoff team. They have a lot of talent. They made a lot of free agent signings over the offseason to acquire talent, including uh, all-star goaltender Jacob Markstrom, defenseman Chris Tanov. And they already had a great core together of people, guys like Monaghan, Goudreau. But they're not performing this year, so they fire Jeff Ward and they hire Daryl Sutter, who uh, once upon a time was the Flames coach from 02 to 06. And he had a stint with the LA Kings where he won two Stanley Cups. You may remember that from the early 2010s. Uh, this is a three-year deal. So it's, he's not joining on an interim basis. He's joining for the long term. And it's a very interesting 
move because normally whenever you fire a guy impulsively or at such a quick notice, it's you throw an interim tag on an assistant coach, something like that. They must have been prepared for this because they had a three-year contract ready for Daryl Sutter. So this was the guy they wanted. They knew they wanted to replace Ward, and they knew they wanted this guy to be the guy. And it's he's a very old, like old-fashioned style kind of coach. And the star players on the Flames are young guys, like guys like Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Goodrow, um, Sean Monahan, like guys I already mentioned. So it's going to be interesting to see how this works. Uh, a lot of people are saying this is a disciplinary move because they need guys – they need a guy like him to kind of step up and be the adult in the room and just show them the way to win. Uh, I'm not exactly sure it's the best move. I think that they should have went with the Leafs model of promoting like a minor league guy and having him develop with the team. But what are, what are your thoughts on Daryl Sutter? Um, I just, I guess, feeding off of the old school kind of ways. Uh, I remember when he was with the King, the Kings back in the day, um, just how the Kings were a fairly, I guess they still kind of are a very like defensive heady, defensive heavy, big body team. Uh, they could kind of throw their own weight around. It was, it's kind of like the, I guess the Columbus aspect, except I think it's definitely way more focused on um, like defense and using the body. So in that way, I guess him and Tortorella kind of share that same old school mentality, but I don't know. I wonder how this is going to work because the, uh, Calgary has 25 points, so they're only, what, two games out of that uh, fourth spot in the uh, North Division, so they're not exactly out of it. If they could get some cylinders firing, then um, they, they they still have a chance. They're one game under 500, but I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see if they can get off to a hot start. Uh, they have potential, but hopefully, uh, I guess, Sutter will kind of adapt to the new way of play where it's, you know, super fast, offensive heavy, and everything's basically fueled on speed instead of the uh, defensive, you know, use your body type of mentality. I mean, it obviously worked in um, LA, but I know for at least the one of their cup wins, it was kind of a almost like a fluke where just everything uh, happened to align correctly for them to win. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I guess we'll see here in the future. They're definitely not out of it. So hopefully, uh, I guess having a uh, fresh face behind the bench might, um, you know, spark some enthusiasm among the uh, youngsters and get them up and rolling. Yeah. One more thing I just want to uh, want to mention about that is that I think that style of play worked well then because it was more of a physical league you had got you had teams like the Bruins who were always the Bruins and Bruins that were always that, that when they were really competitive when they won the cup they were kind of playing that defensive hard-bodied style as well but they now still kind of are to an extent yeah true but it's I think it's to a lesser extent uh if you look in this north division you're in a division with Connor McDavid with Leon Dreisaitl with Austin Matthews then you have the Winnipeg guys like Nick Ehlers and Mark Shifley. I feel like in order to try to compete in this division, not just to make the playoffs, but to move move forward into the playoffs, like round two, round three, you're going to need to have more of an offensive output, I believe. I think that's been the big issue for them. 
because uh, Markstrom hasn't had the greatest of seasons, but he's still a very competent goaltender, probably the best goalie they've had in years. I think they just need to get that offense going. And other than like the big guys you think of like on that team, like Kachuk Goodrow, there's not a lot there. So they need really need to get those depth guys scoring. And I don't think Daryl Sutter's the guy to do it, but time will tell if this move worked out or not. Very uh, true. Um, I guess Blackhawks news you want to get into. Sure. Um, so I guess Brett Seabrook uh, officially announced his retirement after 15 seasons with the Blackhawks. So um, I don't know. I guess kind of saw this one coming, but uh, I guess in good news for the uh, Blackhawks, Patrick Kane, I believe it was tonight, uh, March 9th was his uh, 1000th game. So it was kind of cool to see. I, I saw like a little bit of the um, warm up, and I believe they did something very similar to what the Pens did with Crosby, where uh, they kind of imitated like his warm up uh, routine. So that was kind of cool to see. Uh, congrats to him! A thousand games—that's you know pretty uh, respectable. Yeah, I just uh, obviously congrats to Kane. I just want to touch on one thing about Seabrook. Uh, sure. The press release that the Blackhawks put out there basically said that he's unable to continue playing after 15 years, which because it, Did it he worked, play this season. I don't think he has, he may have like went to training camp, but I don't think he's played a game yet. And I guess won't anymore. Cause, cause I know they were speculating on it. Like when's he going to call a quits? I saw that at the end of last season. Yeah. Cause well, I never thought he played. So yeah, he's had one of those contracts that his like a, his play went down exponentially, basically out of nowhere, where he just went from being a really st- like solid defenseman to being terrible immediately. And every it, you could kind of anticipate that they were going to throw him on long-term injury reserve at some point because that way he doesn't count against the cap. If you retire, you still count against the cap. This the way that they were able to word this, they his almost nearly seven million dollars in cap space doesn't affect the team's cap which is good and he's been he's had issues over the past few years with different surgeries and uh that could have contributed to the fact he's not able to play anymore so i'm not trying to say it's a conspiracy there definitely could be something to the fact that he's just not able to play anymore but nonetheless uh three times Stanley cup champion uh when they were competitive one of the top guys of that core so hats off to him, and uh, I think it's – although a franchise face is leaving, I think it's a good it's good news so the Blackhawks are able to move forward and get those young guys developing, and they're not that far away from being competitive, and actually they're doing pretty well this year. But nonetheless, congrats to uh, him on a great career and Kaner on 1,000 games. Great. Uh, do you want to transition into the – Tom Wilson, uh, another chapter of uh, his beloved book of suspensions. Yeah, he basically boarded Brandon Carlo of the Boston Bruins, excuse me, uh, right in the head. He followed, I think the first initial contact may have been the shoulder, but he followed through into his head against the boards and Carlo was taken to the hospital. He was released, I think, within a day or two. But it was it was a very bad looking hit. It in the 
the re- apparently Ovi talked to a ref that the ref said he didn't even think it warranted a two minute minor, which is insane. And then Ovi went on to call it a joke that Tom Wilson received a seven game suspension, which is fairly significant considering the regular season is as short as it is. It's about half of it's a little over half of the amount of games normal regular season is. So he's missing seven games. That's a large percentage of the season that he's missing. So I think that's a clear message from player safety that these kind of hits won't be accepted. And I think that's good because Tom Wilson's been getting away with a lot of bad hits his entire career. He broke uh, Zach Aston Reese's jaw in the playoffs a few years ago. And uh, it took him months to recover from that, Zach. And uh, he's, he's just, he's a very irresponsible player. And he knows he has a big, powerful body and makes terrible decisions with it and injures players all the time and he's finally starting to pay the price for it and now that he's already gotten this suspension if he gets another kind of controversial hit he's a repeat offender which increases the suspension a lot more we've seen guys like rafi torres and other guys who are notorious goons get 50 plus game suspensions because they're repeat offenders if Tom Wilson doesn't cut it out, he's going to be one of those repeat offenders that just gets slammed with double-digit suspensions. And as a Penguin fan who's been a vi- like victim of his his uh, ways, I wouldn't mind seeing it because the, that the stuff he gets away with does not belong in the game, in my opinion. And uh, what are your thoughts on all that situation? I've been talking. Um, I think there's a fine line that the NHL is trying to draw here where there's – a big difference between being physical, like I'm all for if you're going to, you know, if you're a bigger guy and you want to throw your weight around, that's fine. You know, throw a hip check or at least make sure that you kind of keep your elbows down and go for the shoulder and whatnot. But when you're as big as he is and you're making hits on guys that are, I don't want to say substantially smaller, but uh, he has a couple uh, inches in height on him that if you're going in for these hits and you kind of have your shoulders or your uh, elbows up around your shoulders, you're almost asking for it. Because as soon as you hit the guy, he's going down. And so where's your, uh, you know, elbow or whatever going to end up? It, inevitably, it's going to be in the side of his head or his neck or whatever. So I think that's kind of the irresponsible part. I'm fine with him throwing his weight around as long as – I think you do, you do kind of have to, uh, you know, know your size and – I guess the limitations, because you're not obviously not going to be hitting people, hitting this, hitting people that are your size. So um, that's my thoughts. I'm fine with him hitting people as long as he, you know, kind of guess keeps his arms down and it's in the right situation. Then sure, throw your weight around. But yeah, if you're going to be having your uh, elbows up and you know throwing your throwing all your weight forward at a defenseless guy, then yeah, that's just uh, it's stupid and irresponsible, and it doesn't need to uh, belong in the game. So I think that and then with, like, concussions and everything on how how big, not even the NHL, but I guess everything in general with uh, head injuries. I think the NFL is the ones that actually started it. But, um, yeah, I guess with all the new advancements and findings, um, I guess good for the NHL for – kind of showing where the line needs to be drawn in the sand. And then if you cross it, they will effectively get rid of you. I agree. I just hope that they're more consistent with it. I hope that 
there aren't some pits that are and some aren't. I hope that anything that messes with the head and results in a major head injury needs to be you need to be held accountable for and you need to be put put on a suspension for a long time because it's too much of a liability kind of like what you were getting to like how the nfl did it with like their suspensions and their head injuries too it's too much of a liability for the league to be letting guys take these headshots and just like let it go unanswered you need to get those hits out of the game and i agree with you that i think this is a good way to do it if they're consistent all depending on that um next little bit i want to get into which is really big news that came out today was that there is a apparent usa uh tv deal with espn for the usa rights to broadcast in with the nhl seven-year deal and it's obviously a lot of money being moved around but the official number has not been released yet so this puts basically the rights for the broadcasting to espn and nbc is expected to be in there at some capacity probably of just less games but espn is expected to be the majority broadcast holder of the nhl and with this deal because it's espn streaming rights are also have been given to disney and what they want to do with that is obviously up in the air we've seen games streamed on amazon amazon prime in uh the nba so maybe there's some kind of deal there Maybe they're going to put some streaming service. Obviously, they have Disney Plus, but I have a hard time seeing them stream games on Disney Plus. But maybe you never know. Uh, it's going to be—it's good news because a deal of this size is definitely going to bring a lot of money into the league. Probably raise the cap, and it's just going to be nice to see a change because the, I think the NBC product has been kind of stale over the past few years. So, what are your thoughts on ESPN? Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting because I know. I guess historically, I think everyone knows ESPN's been kind of the, uh, I guess the meme of like the the uh, broadcasters when it comes to like NHL coverage, where uh, it's kind of just like I know they were on like a pretty good Ovechkin kick there for a little bit, and then I don't know, it's just kind of here and there, and then they had a what was it Barry uh, Melrose was it Melrose? Yep, I think they let him go, but. I don't know. I, they were kind of like the laughing stock of it. So it's kind of interesting seeing them deciding to uh, pull this move off. But I believe NBC SN is dissolving at the end of the year. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, NBC can still hold the rights because, you know, they still have like all the other channels. Remember at the during, during the bubble, they had uh, they had playoff games on the Golf Channel because they owned the Golf Channel. So uh, they can definitely keep some re- some of the TV deal if they want it, I think, but it's still not official. They m- there might even be another uh, entity that throws money in there. There have been rumors of Fox wanting to get in on it. But the main thing about ESPN not like kind of being the meme of the, uh, NHL broadcasting, I think it's because they didn't hold any rights. So the success of hockey in America didn't mean anything to them. But like unequivocally, they are the most successful sports broadcasting company in the country, probably in the world. So having that, having them backing the NHL, broadcasting the games, promoting the product, promoting the players, I think is a great, it's great for the game. It's great for the sport, great for the league. And I think eventually you're going to have more hockey 
fans. Kids are going to grow up watching hockey now more because it's so accessible. It's right there on SportsCenter, which when I was a kid, I'd watch every morning. I'd get up when I was getting ready for school, put on SportsCenter, boom, it's right there. It's kind of hard uh, to like get different sports. I mean, to like swift through your channels and find different things for each individual channel because NBCSN was pretty much, I mean, hockey was exclusively pretty much on NBCSN, but now all of it's going to be together in ESPN, all the sports and hockey's going to be back. I'm happy about it. Speaking of early morning, this is totally random, but I used to watch way back in the day, watch the uh, ESPN top 10. Yep. Like the top 10. And I remember uh, NBCSN would always be like some weird, like, like Bass Pro Shops fishing thing at like seven in the morning and then AT&T Sports. But it was, I think it was still Root Sports would always be like, uh, like, like that. Uh, what do they call it? Paid advertising or whatever. Where it's like the, uh, you know, by like the TV. Oh, garbage, get, but. yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be those, but I don't know. Gotcha. Yeah, those, those were good, those top tens. I remember those. Um, but, yeah, that, so I think all good news basically on that end. I don't think there's any anything to complain about. As long as they can keep Pierre Maguire off of ESPN, I think all will be well. Um, some draft lottery changes that were, were proposed today, nothing confirmed, but the proposal is – uh, only the top two picks in the draft are up for lottery. So it won't be the top three anymore. It'll just be picks one and two. And you can't win more than two times within a five-year period, which is essentially the Edmonton Oiler rule or the New Jersey Devil rule, because both of those teams won multiple uh, draft lotteries within a couple-year period. What are your thoughts on these changes? Um. The going from the top three to two is kind of whatever. I don't know. I don't really know how big of a difference that really makes. But I don't know. I feel like the only being able to win, you said, what, twice in five years? Yeah. Is it the whole point of having the number one spot for is for, like, the worst team or whatever to get their chance? Because I know it seems like nowadays there's definitely been um, – like the lottery has been like on two opposite ends of the like spectrum where you either have a star player that would fit in great at one of these like awful teams, or it's just kind of a, you know, we have a first round, we'll just take, I guess this guy and then you never hear from him. So, I mean, it, if it truly comes down to, I guess, like odds and luck, then keep it. But I don't really see what the point of it is. I think the intention is that, a, you don't want teams to be in the bottom forever. You, you want to incentivize teams to compete year after year. You can't just be bad. Say that, for instance, because we're going to talk about the Sabres in a second here. For instance, the Sabres win number one this year, win number one next year. The idea is, is that they're going to try to be competitive year three because they have no chance of winning number one the number one pick anymore. They're out of it. They're not going to get it. And there's that, but also... Um, I think with the just having one and two, the idea is, is that if you're the worst team, if you're historically bad, like the Red Wings were last year, the worst you can fall down to is number three, because the Red Wings were far and away the worst team in hockey last year, if you don't remember, and they got passed up by the Rangers, the, oh God, who was two and three? I don't remember, but there were two of the two other teams that picked number two and number three that were probably significantly better 
than Detroit, and Detroit ended up having to pick four. So the idea is, if you're one of those terrible worst teams, you don't have you won't get pushed back too far. That's the idea there. Does that change your like idea up at all, or what are you thinking? I guess, but I don't know. It's still whatever. Well, that's good. Uh, buy some time. I'm trying to look something up real quick. <laughs> um. So I guess we can. Never, never feed mind. Into... Got it right here. <laughs> it was yeah. the L.A. Kings and the Ottawa Senators. That's probably copyrighted. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, it's not official. We didn't do it. I did Happy Birthday the other day, so that's okay. Oh, yeah, right. Um, yeah, so it was L.A. and Ottawa. Ottawa's pick, though, was from San Jose. So technically it was the L.A. and San Jose pick. Both teams significantly better than Detroit, even though they were both bad, besides the point. Um, yeah, I think these are good, but obviously they're subject to be approved. We'll see what happens there. Um, the NWHL is restarting their season. They're going to play out the playoffs. Their season was suspended last month because of the COVID breakout within their bubble in Lake Placid. And they're returning, and they're going to have their playoffs and award a champion. They're playing in Massachusetts, and uh, good to see that starting back up again. And uh, Sabres are a tire fire, in case you haven't noticed over the past decade and a half. Uh, and Jack Eichel, Taylor Hall, Eric Stahl, all guys are on the table to be dealt. At one point, I think it was uh, Hall, Skinner, and Eichel combined had like five goals on the year. When in reality, each of those guys should have at least eight goals individually. Those are all guys being paid like superstars and weren't performing like it. Uh, I don't know what the solution in Buffalo is. And I think if we could answer it on this podcast, it'd be too easy of an answer. But uh, do you, what do you think about them dealing these guys? And do you think there's any deal that they can make for Eichel where they can benefit from? I have seen so many rumors. It has to be within the past like three days of just like where these guys could end up, possible deals. It's kind of, I guess, more speculation, but I don't know. I don't really see how they're going to turn. Like, think about it. It, it. it has to be, there has to be something internal. Like, there's no way that this group of guys just magically sucks. Like, there has to be something else going on. So even if they did trade it, trade them to um, someone where they could at least get a decent return, is it going to be worth it? Or are you just going to end up with the exact same situation with, like, I guess kind of a group of guys that don't want to be there and the team that obviously is showing that they don't really want them. So I don't I don't know what to make of it here. Um, it just seemed – I don't know. Because you, if it would be different if it's like one or two players, but like, it's kind of all of their name, like all of their um, name guys, big name guys are like, they're kind of looking to get rid of. So I don't, I don't really know what the thought process here is. You would think maybe they would change some of the, uh, you know, move lines around a little bit, maybe bring up some guys, get some fresh faces, but. Uh, I guess trading all your name players and publicly saying, hey, take them is the chosen route. I think, well, one of the things that's been brought up 
is that uh, the line, like you, you touched on the lines, that has been a point of issue for the Sabres fans. They say that they haven't been deployed right. And they, they're calling for head coach Ralph Kruger to be fired, uh, which I could definitely see happening too. But there is definitely something to the fact that it's internal, that this organization has just been rotten for years. Look at the guys who've gone through that organization, left, and been crazy successful. Ryan O'Reilly went from being went from driving into a Tim Hortons drunk and not wanting to play hockey again to being the Conn Smythe winner and a Stanley Cup champion with the St. Louis Blues. There's more examples, but that's the probably the best one available. Look at Evander Kane. He obviously isn't in the best situation right now, but he performs better now than he did in Buffalo. There's a lot of guys that leave Buffalo and turn into better than what they were. I don't know individually if Jack Eichel and these guys are going, would do better. I'm assuming better than this year because this year they're all playing poorly, piss poorly. But there is something to the fact that in the organization, and it can't be GM, it can't be just coach, because all these guys have been replaced. All the chairs on the deck of the Titanic here have been moved around. It's the Titanic that's the issue. And the Titanic is the organization. It's the ownership. It's the Pagola family, which is a very rich family. They uh, they own the not they own they bought the arena for the Penn State ice hockey team. They put a ton of money into the ice hockey team in Penn State. They made them a competitive team. They put a ton of money into the Buffalo Bills. They own the Buffalo Bills as well. They are a competitive team now. There's something about the organization of the Buffalo Sabers. That is just rotten to the core. They aren't even early 2000s. They were competitive. They'd be in the playoffs. They would never get the promised land. They obviously got to the final one year and lost to Dallas on that BS call is the foot was in the, in the crease should have been called no goal, but it's, it's something that's just gone downhill and downhill and downhill. And it's at the point now where there's nowhere lower. You can go. They're the worst team in hockey. 100% the worst team in hockey. And the organization is just rotten. There's no future. They thought Jack Eichel was the future. Jack Eichel is not the future. Jack Eichel is wasting away on this team. And at some point, something to the core needs to change. But it's too easy of a solution just to say that. There's something that needs to be done that I don't know what it is. I don't know what the answer is. But it sucks to be a Buffalo Sabre fan. Yeah, I mean, at least they have the uh, Coyotes to cry with, so that's kind of uh, use yes. them as kind of a crutch. But yeah, at least the fans and uh, the ratings in Buffalo do well. There's nothing going great for Arizona, but they fill Kessel, so checkmate Buffalo, checkmate. Oh, um, yeah, I guess uh, polish it off on a good term where uh, the players are finally starting to get the COVID nineteen vaccine. So that's kind of good news since they didn't do the bubble this year. So kind of glad to see. Yeah, they're getting uh, – it's all based on city or state and availability. They're not getting it through a league. They're getting it by themselves right now. But I'm sure at some point once it becomes more readily available, the NHL and the other sports leagues leagues are all going to organize – their own clinics for team personnel and players and families and everything. But good news, good news there. Uh, Stated from a fully vaccinated person, great news. 
a little bit of MLB news, not a ton, all related to COVID. So, you know, it's going great. Other than the Pirates are doing successful in spring training, but we're not going to jinx anything. Um, Three guys broke protocol, uh, COVID protocol in spring training. The Indians, Jose Ramirez and Frenmil Reyes, both broke protocol along with the Cubs, Pedro Strop. They've been disciplined and I think have to quarantine now. And the both uh, the city of Chicago for the White Sox and Cubs and then all the California teams have been given permission to allow fans. And it seems like that's expanding every day, basically, as a bunch of cities and teams are getting permission to give fans and get fans in the seats and bring in some income, some tax. I mean, uh, ticket income, which is very good news. Yes. Um, just to touch on the Indian situation, didn't this happen last year with uh, Clevenger? And then I believe something also happened with the Cubs. I think or was it, it just in Chicago? I don't know about Chicago, but I know I think it was Clevenger and was it Zach Plezak? Maybe there was another. Remember. There were two Indians pitchers I think that both got caught. And there was yep. I don't sure. know about I don't know about Chicago though. I thought I feel like they were like in Chicago or something like that, but. I don't know. We I could be wrong, it. but I don't know. You wonder if like the Indians kind of have something going on there, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't make a Cleveland joke here, but they're not even in Cleveland. They're in, are they in Florida or Arizona doing spring training? I, don't I know have where, no idea. I don't know where their spring training is, but they're either in Florida or Arizona, both of which are significantly better than Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So I mean, that- I agree, because I was going to say, if you're in Cleveland, there's nothing to do in Cleveland. In Cleveland, or Ohio, we even admit that. Like, there's, like, what are you going to do? Just go, go to the cornfield. Go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Up. Yeah, there you go. Just go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame every day and uh, admire the, uh, you know, the good old John Deere sitting in the front yard. And then every weekend you take a trip down to the Pro Football Hall of Fame to see if anything changed. Spoiler there alert, there's nothing new. It's the same thing. Yes. I'm going to run through the NFL news really quickly because I am dying to get to the Bryson DeChambeau segment of our show. Uh, Dak Prescott re-signs a mega four-year deal with the Dallas Cowboys. I believe year one salary is $75 million, which is just absolutely insane. That's obviously an NFL record. Uh, the cap hit, I think, is somewhere around $40 million because I think it's a $160 million deal. Uh, Steelers let go of Bud Debris. He's free to sign with any team right now. The New York Jets are taking calls on Sam Darnold. Expect them to draft a quarterback in the first round with their number two pick or trade the pick. But odds are they're going to keep it and probably draft Zach Wilson, who seems to be the odds-on number two best quarterback in the draft. Uh, Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson were both tagged by their respective teams, being the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Chicago Bears. So those wide receivers are staying. And two big names, two of the big names that were let go were Kenny Galladay of the Detroit Lions and Aaron Jones, running back of the Green Bay Packers. A lot of weapons available, a lot of guys staying, a lot of guys moving. Now, your time has come, Troy. Get the hat on. Where's the hat? I, I the hat. Uh, come on, come on. I think you, it's you, in my you, closet. You I just know, had I, it. I can't put the headset on and wear the hat. Come on, man. I know. All right. So. Golf news. I know this isn't – we talked about this in the um, – I think it was the Masters, and then we kind of made fun of them. But anyway, we got the uh, glorious Arnold Palmer Invitational in Orlando. Beautiful, beautiful course. 
Oh, exactly. I mean, I first of all, before we even go into this, you know how they have like the thing where like if you get a hole in one, you get a car. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it turns out on some of them you get like if you hit all in one, you get like a watch or you get like a car. Okay. Well, I was thinking, since this is the Arnold Palmer, right? You get a hole in one, you get a lifetime supply of Arnold Palmer. I think that would be tremendous. Didn't, I would rather have that than a car. Didn't Jordan Spieth get a hole in one? Two of them did. Really? He didn't have two, but someone else did. Yeah. I think you should get a lifetime supply of uh, Arnold Palmer, personally. Here, here's my take. It's Orlando. What is there to do in Orlando? Disney. You say, Disney. You say, screw it. You don't go to Disney. You say, screw Disney. You go to Daytona and go visit Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. Oh, boy. Or you do the LPGA course and then have uh, Good the luck. ERAU pilots fly over. Woohoo. Sounds like a great time. Dude. I flew over the speedway earlier. Can I tell you that? No, you that was kind of cool. Yeah, I flew over the speedway. I imagine now if Bryson tried hard enough, I bet he could hit your Cessna. Probably. I mean, feeding into it. Glorious transition. So, I don't remember what hole. Do you remember what hole it is? There are two of them, so I don't know. I don't remember either. Yeah, no, there's actually 18 of them, but. <laughs> you, see, you, see <laughs> that. um, you know anyway. what I'm talking about, Dick. <laughs> You're a dick. So, Bryson DeChambeau, you know, very controversial. Uh, not very controversial. The, the, uh, the older, you know, more traditional golf uh, folk are not a fan of. Uh, so he decided to, I forget, I got to figure out what hole it is. You buy enough time. I'll, I'll okay. It up. Basically it was a super long par five and there's like a little, there's a lake in between the, uh, that goes around the hole. The hole goes around a lake. So it's like, I think it's a par five. It's gotta be like 500 something yards. So most guys that, you know, go around the lake. Well, uh, not Bryson. He thought this would be a great idea to try to uh, basically drive the ball over the lake and put it, I think he put it within, what, 100 yards of the green? It was effectively a chip under the green. It was incredible. So he happened to have a tailwind. Um, uh, round three, he tried it. He drove it. Um, it was hole number six. Hole number six. Okay. Uh Basically, he drove it, I think it was 300, 376 yards. 77. Just 377. Just absolutely. It, it, like, it's one of those things where you had to watch it to like see it. Because like everyone else is lining up, and you see like fairway. And this man just lines up, and he just lines up to the left. And everything from the tee box outward is just water. And then – just out in the distance, you see the green, and then, like, just in front of the uh, – yeah, it's just unbelievable. Like, you don't even – you just see trees. And uh, he hits it, hits it 377, like uh, the uh, secretary said, and it was just incredible. Like, I, I, I don't even know – I watched it live, and it was just unbelievable to see how far a human could, like, smash the thing. It, yeah, it really was 
Uh, I, I followed along. And after day one, whenever he had his first 370-yard shot, because that was day two, the one we just talked about, the first one you sent to me, and I just saw... That was day three. Okay, day three. They, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, because the last one was day four. You're right. Uh, day three, you sent me that. Four years after three. He was the s- second or third favored golfer to win the tournament based on sports betting. I put some money on him because I was like, no one with that amount of confidence is going to lose. They can't. Uh, uh, but before we go into this, the celebration was phenomenal. Oh, we yeah. Just, no, we just go over that. Because you know how, like, traditionally no so, golf, like, they hit No golfer had that much just, They'll strike the pose, and they'll just, like, hold it after they're uh, follow through, and they'll just hold it. Um, I think it was round three. He hits it. He sees it going over. He just throws, he just throws both arms up, and the crowd is going absolutely ballistic. It is just – Phenomenal to watch. It had it's great for the game to be able to see this, but I know there's uh quite a few people that have kind of uh they're kind of against it where they can you know, go to hell. it shouldn't be possible. Oh yeah. Uh, totally just yeah. No they're, golfer. They're just mad they can't they're just mad they can't do it. Because if we're being honest, if I could do that, if I could do that, I'd just straight up drop out of school. Like if I could, was capable oh, yeah. of doing that, I'd be done. I, I would just walk off the course after that and never take another shot. A day in my life. I nope. will literally be totally okay with a 377-yard drive being my, uh, you know, go-out moment. No golfer has ever showed that much emotion after a great hit. I don't think I've ever seen. No, well, besides on 18, whenever you want it. But even then. No. I don't eh. I, I, I think that I think his – I think he was more proud of the hit than he was of the victory. Because okay, oh yeah, dude, I would. Be. What what brings him more fame? That that Happy Gilmore basically shot that he just did, or winning the tournament. If he didn't do that, no one would have even like blinked. If he just won and won normally, people, most people outside of the close knit golf community wouldn't have cared. He did that and brought people to golf. You know what the funny thing is. He could have lost that tournament by a landslide, and he still would have remembered that tour. That that the best shot there was that shot on six. He would have been known like he would have been the guy, the biggest name coming out of that uh, that tournament. Yes, um, I agree. So uh, I believe next weekend we have the players' tournament, which I think is in West Palm Beach. I Let's think see. I think it's this weekend. So that's what the fourteenth. I don't know. I don't even know what day it is anymore. 13th, 14th. We have the players. So all the big names will be playing in that. So that'll be interesting to see. In good old Palm Palm Valley, Florida. We have valleys here? Palm Valley, Florida. Ponte Vedra. Ponte Vedra Beach. Dude, our tallest mountain is Space Mountain. Ponte Vedra Beach. That's what it says. But it says oh, okay. Palm Valley, Florida. Uh, Interesting. The course is TPC at Sawgrass. Never heard of it, but you know what? We're new to golf, so we're allowed to not know things. You know, we're we're learning. We're it's just southeast of Jacksonville. Wait, of Jacksonville? This says, yep. It's in Saint Augustine. No, Ponte Ponte Vedra Beach, southeast of Jackson. Yep. Dang, that's like an hour, hour and some change. Are you gonna go? I'm look into it. 
you should try to schedule a tea time for exactly when uh, the tour is happening. So they have to like make room for you guys. You like they're literally having the tour, and you're just like, can we play through? <laughs> I should see if I could go on a flight and then just be like, get like free sponsorship. Just get like like the Shamu <laughs> just like smacks the Cessna. Put it put a unit report banner behind the plane. Oh, that'll be great. Speaking of which, we have stickers now. <laughs> yeah, thanks to you. Go on redbubble.com. Find the unit Shameless report. Shameless plug. Go ahead. Also, if you search the unit report, for some reason, thin blue line merchandise comes up that's like Blue Lives Matter. I don't know how that how we got associated with Blue Lives Matter, but apparently that's a thing, so be careful. If you want Whenever wanna, I used to type it, in the unit report, we used to get the uh, Imperial Dimetric Conversion Chart. That used to be the first oh, that, thing that's that even if you want to, if you can't find it by searching the unit report, search my name. The user is Lucas Wester one on Redbubble. My design's on there. It's the design that Troy made. I uploaded and then we put on some merchandise. I have a bunch of stickers on the way. You can also get a couple other things. Like you can get a poster, I think. Uh, a couple other things we're, we're looking into trying to do, but definitely getting the stickers. They're, they're very affordable. Like if you want a single one, it's like less than two bucks. If you want to buy it, and more gets cheaper, but yeah, I have a bunch on the way I'm excited for. Yeah, so end of shameless plug moment. Yeah, I just, I remember that because we mentioned the banner. That's that's just why that came to my head. Uh, I think yes. we hit everything. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, not really. I think that's it. All right. Well, oh, uh-oh. fun fact to mention, uh, Penn's game tonight. Penn's beat the Rangers. So they had uh, one shot in the entire third period. Well, other than that, it was a good day, right? I mean, and better news, our next bunch of games are against Buffalo. So keep the ball rolling. Am I right? Yeah. Keep the, keep, hopefully, hopefully that, uh, you know, hopefully their uh, car or whatever the, you know, it's still rolling by the time we get here. Exactly. We had goals from Sid, uh, Theodore Bluger. Uh, Jake Densel and Kasperi Kapanen. Kapanen's been on a roll. I know. It seems like it. And uh, I, I, I didn't get to see the game, uh, uh, actually watch it, but apparently the Kapanen goal Malkin did good on. Did you watch it? All? Uh, I watched uh, like parts of it. I didn't get to see the whole thing, but uh, Jari was standing on his head tonight. He had quite a few saves out in the at the end of the third period because they kind of left him out. They sort of left him out the dry there a little bit, but uh, yeah, he was he looked like a pretty solid NHL contender for part of the third. Saved thirty three of thirty five shots. That sounds that's good to me. How many I shots mean, did the uh, Rangers have in the third? Just out of curiosity, I can't see like period by period. I, I okay. don't see the total. But, uh, but good on him, good on the Pens, getting a much-needed W. Uh, they've been on a bit of a roll here recently, these Penguins. I know. Glad to see it. I'm going to check the exact standings just to make sure. I believe they were number four for playoffs. They are on the line. Yeah, but the East is, like, so so in play. Like, it's, a, it's anyone's division if they want it. Uh, I don't know if this updated from after the game today, but it has us in third now. Uh, we're a point above Boston, but Boston has two yeah, games in hand. Yeah, that's updated because they were in fourth going into it, I believe. Okay, well, Boston has two games in hand when we're only up by a point, so they're probably going to catch us. Uh, well, we're two games ahead of uh, Philadelphia and two points. So 
if you take that into consideration, if either of those teams get a win in their next game, we're in fifth. So yeah, we but we can only play the opponent ahead of us, and we beat if we can beat Buffalo both those times, I think we're looking good. Um, teams finally coming together a little more. We're eleven and two at home. We're killing we're it at BPG. We have fans in the building now. They have a um, bunch of home games coming up, I believe. Did you see the controversy about uh, they there were there's a picture that they posted of fans and they photoshopped masks on them because they didn't have their masks on. I saw they did that, but did you see um, now everything that they post and gets on TV? It's it's all the super zoomed in like images. No, I did not. Like it, it's not. They don't show like huge crowds. They only show like a couple or like a family or something that has masks on. Because I guess PPG got super strict about it. Which, yeah, so they, you know, I, good for them. But yeah, as they should. I mean, definitely. I. It's the right thing to do. And I also saw they're doing cashless, completely cashless. They have reverse ATMs. If you have cash and you and you need to like spend it, you put it in a machine and it prints you out a card, and you use that card to make purchases like concessions and merchandise and stuff. I feel like we were trending that way anyway before the pandemic, but this is definitely going to be kind of a bit of a booster. Well, I'm surprised that I'm surprised that in like uh, like Apple Pay, like that they, they, kind they of have thing. that too. Yeah, I think they've yeah, I'm surprised that kind of thing hasn't taken off. Yeah, I mean it has, but like not to the point of not too many places take it that I know of. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's really easy. They should probably get to that more. And everyone has an iPhone now. Come on. I know. Google Pay. What is that? Get that out of my face. Get that out of my face. Um, I think that's everything for today, right? Cool. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, if you want to uh, wrap it up. I'm going to wrap it up and put it under the Christmas tree. <coughs> Thank you. Oh, boy. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Unit Report. You can follow us on Twitter at The Unit Report. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, uh, iHeartRadio, I think, all of those. Uh, give us a listen there if you're not already, which if you're listening to this, I don't know how else you'd be listening. Yeah, to I was going to say, if you're, not, if you're not already listening, then... It's kind of sus. You know? Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's okay. It's just the outro. It's how we do things here. Uh, thank you for getting this far to the episode. Thank you for listening. Buy our s- stickers on Redbubble. Oh, shameless plug. Uh, search Lucas Wester 1 because the unit report yields some pretty bad results on Redbubble. And we will see you guys again soon. See ya. Well said. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Unit Report. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at The Unit Report. <laughs>